June is Audiobook Month. Join Viviana, the Enchantress of Books, and the Audiobook Lovin' series as she celebrates the authors and narrators who bring your favorite stories to life. Not only will this month be packed with exciting guest podcasts full of all things books, but stick around after each episode for some special information about this year's giveaway and more. Welcome to Season 9, Episode 27 of this year's Audiobook Loving Series. Today, I am chatting with author TJ London and the cast of The Turncoat, Patrick Zeller, John Hartley, James Cheatham, Samantha Brentmore, and the audiobook producer, Danielle Lezarada. Welcome, guys, so much for being here. I appreciate it. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> I have multiples at the same time, guys. Romance with your <laughs> listeners dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> nice but the rest of the cast I, I had to the rest of the cast Terling, uh Langella, K- uh Kale Williams and Adam Gold are slammed slam slammed and recording books which I'm sad that they're not here but at the same time I'm going go back to work I want to hear more books <laughs> and, and, and Marnie Young also is away due to some family obligations called the field trip and I'm a little jealous because I missed those from being a child so they are missed and we uh, will probably catch up with them in a little bit afterwards but in the meantime guys I'm so excited to talk to you guys about the turncoat and all these other goodies Woo-hoo! that are coming down the pipeline so welcome thank you Bim. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. You guys are yeah. so quiet. <laughs> we just don't want to step on each other. <laughs> Please step. It's an all step. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> hi, Bev. Yeah, hi, guys. For the listening audience, we've had a lot of these uh, narrators in the past, so we'll include those information within the show notes in the main landing page, so you guys will be able to catch up if you hadn't already. And um, we're just going to go around the room a little bit for each of the narrators to tell us who they played in this lovely, awesome book that's yet to come to audio yet. So, Patrick, you want to kick us off? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to come back and and reprise uh, some Delancey and uh, James McKesson's the big one. And then um, some other characters. Uh, We got George Armstrong. Oh my God, he knows all these names. Stuart, Stuart's a big one. Stuart's a big one. Uh, But yeah, they're all fun. They're all fun. How many times you get killed off this year? (laughs) (laughs) We can't tell you. That's not right. Yeah, spoilers. Spoilers. Nah, it's okay. I know, right? <laughs> it, it is a running joke because Patrick's characters are always the the naughty ones, the super naughty. Yeah, she likes me dirty. I guess it's just how she. I know. <laughs> Here's me. You just had to. You just want to embarrass me, don't you? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I love that she's not even using a filter right now. She's just that red. <laughs> I am really that red. It it goes downhill from here too as well. Although I do have to say, Patrick, I, seriously, me and Danielle live for your, when you say Johnny, yes. we totally live for it. Every time you, <laughs> Every time you say it, I'm like, I just smile when I know something bad is coming. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yes, she does like you dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do give him all my naughty characters. So, um, yeah, I, when we go back, after you guys are done, I have something to say about all the characters, but I'll, I'll let you move everybody along for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> John Hartley, your turn. 
Hi, guys. So great to be here. I'm playing a few different guys this time around. Gavin Carlisle is probably my main guy. He's the brother of uh, the lead, John. And I think my favorite character this time around is Lord Tomlinson, who's, you know, pretty nasty, naughty, but very fun characters play. And then a couple I'm reprising Stephen McKesson. So it's nice to be uh, related once again to Patrick. And uh, and then Clark, who's this cool kind of Scottish sidekick to uh, to one to, to the main character as well. So a, a great range of great range of guys. Yeah, I have lots to say about those characters, too. And there's actually a great <laughs> clip of you and Patrick. We're going to play like it. Seriously, to me, it was like Pinky in the Brain. This scene oh, of the two of you together. It's so I, great. I love it. <laughs> it's so fabulous. It, it's really good. But yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> All right, James. Hello, everyone. James Cheatham here, back for round two last year in, um, in Man of War was my first introduction to this amazing cast, crew, and brilliant mind of TJ. Um, oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> last year, uh, definitely stretched my capacity with 15 characters I had to narrate. And TJ, you've done it again. You've given me 16 characters to include Benedict Arnold, which... I really liked that guy. Out of everybody here, Benedict was my favorite because he was just that perfect military persona who was just an absolute prick and full of himself. I went, oh, I know yes! a couple of sergeants major just like that that I served under. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was a perfect fit. So, so full disclosure and big secret, he's actually my favorite Revolutionary War character um, or persona, basically. And it's mostly because before he was a traitor, he was yeah. an incredible patriot and he was our most decorated general. So I wanted to show him because it's a really interesting historic moment in this book that actually happened. Most people don't know. So I wanted to show him in this story and show him how I saw him. Um, before we had that, you know, famous fall, right? And he's in a rather ironic position in this book too, because he's looking at someone who's turned traitor. So, right. uh, yeah, yeah, and because of a woman to some degree too, which we oh, also know, know there's some theory <sighs> behind that too as well, right? Um, with Peggy Shippen. So, when it got to that portion of the book, I found myself, you know, kind of squaring my shoulders back, puffing out my chest, and even straightening yes. an imaginary tie as he's talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, aren't you a cocky son of a bitch? It innately made sense to me. We were talking about this. I'm like, Danielle, why? He needs to be Benedict Arnold. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why wouldn't it be James? So I know that that was a little pivot we did on you there. But, you know, like, it, it was a bit yeah. of masterminding, too. I'm like, you know, makes sense. Yeah. I'm used to change the drop of a hat, so it's all right. Samantha. I was so Hi. excited to find that, that you were cast and in the role that you were in. So tell us, tell us all this awesomeness. Oh, well, I was so excited to be cast. I am uh, Wilhelmina, uh, or Will, and a smattering of washerwomen and guests throughout. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's incredible. It's I, I it's such a tease because I know that there's more coming for uh, Will's story later. But um, yeah. And it's fun because I have to. I'm in disguise for part of it, so I'm I'm a, yes. I'm a young man in in the first part, which was a fantastic challenge. So it was funny because when we that character originally, so full disclosure, and Danielle knows the story. Um, Alexei, who is now moving into the hero position, was supposed to die in the series, actually, later and be gone. And we would never see him again. But that bastard child of mine took on a second life, right? And <laughs> so. 
as they are one danielle. <laughs> as they do as they just do but danielle honestly i got into this position where i was struggling to write john because the series was supposed to ongoing just be dallas and john with all the secondary characters and then danielle like kind of like prodded me poked me hey what about alexi hey what about him what's he gonna get a story Poet, prod 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 and so and then tj finally, was like why <laughs> Who wants to read that story, right? Um, um, so anyway, I ended up expanding the story and then the only way I can do, because I'm so verbose, it ended up being three books instead of one, right? Instead of just Man of War was like one book. And so then I needed, you know, the right heroine here. And so then that character took on a big role. And so out of nowhere, I had Wilhelmina and I have Alexi now. I have this three more books. And so then I needed more villains, right? And I needed more dastardly characters and the book series needed to expand in a way that it wasn't supposed to. And then I had this standing prequel on the side, Man of War. And so I'm like, well, I need to bring that in too. And so hence the reboot of the turncoat, the rewrite of it. And then now where the story continues to go. Amazing. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how that worked. But I do want to say something about all of your characters. So I'm, I'm going to go back in the corner to Patrick. Patrick Zeller has been with me since the very beginning. Most of my, my readers and listeners know he was like the original Delancey, who is just the most evil. I don't know. Well, wait a minute. There's a tie between him and Renee Levesque. I've got to be honest with you. They're both pretty nasty guys, mm. right? <laughs> and, and to John Hartley's credit, he does all my villains too. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's just so good evil. So when I was writing, when we did Delancey, ultimately everyone knows Delancey dies in the second book. That's no big secret I'm spoiling, okay? But then after a while, like oh well then James McKesson eventually is going to kind of phase out I'm like wait a minute what am I going to do with Patrick Zeller like I can't not have him in my cast I'm like I can't <laughs> and with me since the beginning and um and I'm like well he has to be a bunch of secondary characters because that's so disappointing like I need him to do something really good but then I wanted a hero I'm like he's never read he's read all my really evil people so I need somebody really good so I actually created Seth Beto, who is a character that you were just introduced to um, in this story. He looks like basically Celeste Thug is how we know him. Um, but what we don't really know about him is that he has this amazing backstory. And he's actually this very interesting character, which we're going to learn about in The Rebel, which is the next book. And then even more so in The Raider. And eventually he has his own book, The Minute Man. You'll have some work coming up besides all the millions of other things. This is exciting. <laughs> I love hearing this. Cool. So, but... But the fun part about it is where this comes from. Full disclosure, I am a total geek and I love Dungeons and Dragons. So back to like when I was a little, little girl, I was a D&D player. Okay. And I had a, a rogue elf and his name was Seth Beto. And he's like 35 levels now. I've played him for 25 years. I'm not kidding. And um, he's an assassin. And I always wanted to write a book about him. And I was like, well, shit, this is the perfect time to do it. So <laughs> technically, I just put him into my world and he is now... That, that is so, brilliant. Um, yeah, so that is your character. He was written for you. If you hate him, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but that is so fantastic. You're 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 bringing a character into the story that is probably older than anything else you've ever written. Has been with you for longer than anything. Yeah. So that's really it's cool. Yeah. Well, Seth must be thrilled. Well, Seth is very thrilled, actually. <laughs> My other <laughs> alter ego, besides John. Um, but actually, um, Merrick, that character in Man of War, has been with me for about 25 years. That was the original book that I first like got the idea for um, and never wrote it. I wrote 
the Tory, the traitor, the turncoat in when I was from counseling, as I write from counseling. And then at one point I was like, oh, I should do something with this other story. And so then I went back and wrote Man of War and weaved it in. So Man of War was actually an extra that I just like kind of finally wrote and, and put in. So that is your character. So you get to read a hero. Well, he's kind of a naughty hero. He's not yeah. He's not like okay. a normal hero. But, but, but did you realize, I mean, did you hear the fact that he actually wrote that character specifically for you? That's the really sweetest thing ever. I mean, that's it's really cool. Thanks. It's just cool to get to keep coming back and doing this, do this world. Like yeah. there are like a whole bunch of like fantasy things and you know, a lot of um, romance thing, but this is the first like kind of historical thing that I've been mm-hmm. able to come back to over and over again. So that's, it, it's, it's a different kind of world because so much of it is, is real. And I don't know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's just rooted in a different kind of, in a different way. And so that's a treat. It's awesome. Yeah, Patrick, Thank I you. totally agree. It's it's unlike, you know, even comparing it to other historical romances, the world is just so rich and well-researched. And also, I appreciated, well, like, diving into it, that you, like, show us your knowledge, but without, like, uh, exhaustive exposition to be like, I did my research. You know, you read mm-hmm. some of those books sometimes where you're like, okay, uh. I got it. Is this a nonfiction? Is this, what is going on? And you really um, weave it in so effortlessly that it's a real joy to be able to narrate. Thank you for that, Samantha. I will tell you that I, I like, obviously, I'm really passionate about the American Revolutionary War um, and what a lot of people don't know about it. Um, but it's more about just like getting people interested in history. Like, mm. you know, if if you give them enough to make them curious, then maybe they'll go look on their own, right? And it's a hard world because there's a lot of things going on in the American Revolutionary War that are not PC and they're not pretty. And if you're doing it right, then you're going to upset people, right? But that's the goal to some degree to kind of make them think and make them question a little bit. So I'll actually go about your character. So Wilhelmina is an interesting character, right? Uh, mm-hmm. She's kind of undercover a little bit. Um, and she is, boy, we're going to learn a lot about her in the next book. She is a heroine, but unlike all my other heroines, she's been through a lot. And what I try to do with all my women is show them the challenges of our foremothers, like what they've been through, right? Mm. And in doing the respect of, there are a lot of things, misogyny that they deal with. There's a lot of bad behavior. There's a lot of abuse. I mean, there's a lot of things that they dealt with. And I, I just don't believe in sugarcoating it because I think it's not fair to those who came before us to not show it like it was. Mm. Um, her journey's hard and she also picks Alexi of all people to fall for. Um, Danielle's <laughs> over there laughing. <laughs> just lucky. He's a bastard. He's a monster of a man. <laughs> he's like six foot six. Um, back then would have been a giant, right? Um, and he's a warrior and he's, he's chosen to be a warrior. So he's a very, he's a very interesting character, but Will was a lot of fun to write because she was very, very like, She's very spunky, right? Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. a lady, but she's super spunky, right? And so when we were picking voices, I needed a lady, but I need someone spunky. And so when we were looking <laughs> around, I, I mean, seriously, the only way I can put it, she's so spunky. And I kept telling Danielle, like, I need like a Jennifer Lawrence. Like, I need that spunk, okay? And we went through some amazing auditions, like lots of them. And we never thought that she would be the hardest character to cast. And I was at, um, I, I, you were on a list of mine. I had you on my list. I was like, we're going to look at it. We're going to check her out. And then I was like, wait, I'm going to be in Vegas at If These Walls Can Talk. I'll yeah. check her out there. <laughs> and you're just blowing it away at the front of the room. And I'm like, oh my God, she's perfect. She's perfect. She's perfect. And then I, I approached you afterwards and it was just like love. I heard you talking again. This was the second time I had talked to you. And so I was like, 
is going to be perfect. So I, right after I talked to you, I'm texting Danielle, I'm like, Danielle, get some paperwork over to her. Talk to her. Go ahead. Reach out. I found her. Uh, we found her. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, well, I'm so glad you did. And, and she is. She's so fun. And, um, um, you know, she's she's complicated because also we don't see so much of her story. And, you know, right. anybody whose whose love interest is, you know, practically waterboarding her as part of their, you know, <laughs> secrets and flirtations. Um, no. And 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 everything. And I think you're right. Like you do a great job. And I'm really excited to know more about her story and what she has to navigate. But, you know, you do such a good job with even just how briefly she shows up in this, giving you so much of an insight into all that she's navigating and having to, you know, hold and doing it with a lot of strength um, and I, I think humor. Um, so it's great. There's supposed to be humor. She also does get tarred and feathered. She does have that. She does. The, the she does. She does. <laughs> she does have the honor Never done that in a book before. Yeah. Yeah. New experience you know, for me. We're crossing lots of firsts right now. Lots of firsts. So yeah, she does. She does have the honor of getting tarred and feathered in my book. Um, and it was fun because I like that, like anything I wanted to do in the American Revolution, I'm like, damn it, I'm going to do it. And so like, I kind of lived a little through her. So the tar, she rides the rail, she tars and feathers, like she does all the fun things. So, so, and she gets kidnapped. Um, and yes, Alexi does kind of, sort of, it's like a waterboarding, but there is an explanation and we'll get to that there is, later. There is, there is, there is, there is. Uh, so right now, I'm, it just I'm looks sure like that dark, uh, dark romance uh, readers and listeners are making a note just for some of this, you know, information we just shared. Hey, <laughs> I've read, all y'all read not mafia romance in this group. I know you do. I know y'all read the dark books. I've seen your alien romances. Come on. I can have my warrior man, you know, dunk her head in a bowl into a bucket of water. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to yuck someone's yum, you know, you get, do what you got to exactly, do. Right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's quite tame, all things so, considered. <laughs> well, it's, it's not tame when seen from her perspective. So when we get to the rebel and we see it from her perspective, it's not quite so tame. Mm -hmm. So it is in this book, because remember, it's being salt seen by Dulles. She's kind of watching it going, oh, look, Alexi's beating up my dish boy, you know? So <laughs> it, it, <laughs> DJ, how many books do you kind so of plan in advance? Do you have like a whole another 10 kind of in the works? <laughs> Uh, are you curious uh, where, where you're getting pulled <laughs> off? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no um, so uh, there's the original three, right? Notorious, the Trade of the Turncoat. Man of War technically came forth, which was the prequel. Man of War has a second book to it, which takes place 20 years later, which is Letter of Mark. You probably want to know that one because that's Gavin Carlyle's book, right? Oh, um, and then there is um, the Rebel, the Raider, the Renegade, which are the Alexi books in the middle. There's also a side branch book that's called Minuteman. That's about Seth Beto. Um, and then there are two other branch books. And then there are later books. So there are about like 15, I believe, in total um, where it stands right now. They're all, I know the plots of all of them. I know all the plots of all of them. Um, and I know the, so because, so the, the turncoat and the traitor, the end of the traitor and the turncoat run alongside the rebel. Okay. So we're going to backtrack in the rebel. Delancey will be alive again. Mm. <laughs> That's why he keeps <laughs> coming back. 
Um, and we're going to backtrack and see what was Alexi doing all that time that he was off stage, basically. And how did Wilhelmina get captured? Okay, so we're going to backtrack. What was Lord Tomlinson doing? Like, how did he come up with this cockamamie scheme that ultimately led to his wife getting kidnapped? Like, we're going to go back and see how that plays in, right? And so we're also going to see what was Eagle Eye doing all this time, right? So it, it kind of, so actually I have to like somewhat plan the other books and then segue them in so that they everybody can be where they're supposed to be, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's a lot of work. I have a very big whiteboard um, that I work off of. And then there's also a lot of shit. I got to fix that or shit that doesn't work. Ah. Um, and yeah, those moments. And so. is that, are those moments moments you find yourself or some of your uh, like uh, readers that you have your what's it called? The so, reader readers actually yeah beta readers no so i'm obsessive compulsive so i mean truly like i'm just danielle over in the corner there she's also obsessive compulsive uh we both have ocd big time we joke around about it like who is worse but we're, we're malignant perfectionists so i tend to find every mistake like i really really do except for like missed words so no hating on me okay you guys <laughs> um, I bet you know, that's the one thing I, I'm bad about. Um, but I do tend to find um, like my storyline messes myself, and uh, so um, and and so then I go back and have to fix them and play around with them. Like the story is very present in my head, so I really know kind of where everybody fits in. If that makes sense, it's it's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. a big mess. But you kind of have to keep track of everybody, right? And I do a lot of rereading of my books. And then I also go through those rereading moments going, why did you do that? You oh, know, fuck. but we all do. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, and I don't reread my sex scenes either. Once the kids are out having sex, I don't want to know about it. We always talk about this every time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She did listen to one. He did she didn't listen, listen to one the other day. Yeah, she it was a 30-minute yeah. scene. <laughs> It is a 30 minute. They don't actually have sex though. So I think that's why I got through it. <laughs> <laughs> they, get, they get right to the edge and it stops. Um, but I'm good for those. Um, but yeah, no, I did. And there's, there are photos of me listening. It's not a good thing. Um, if you think I, <laughs> if you see me, if you think I turn red now, boy, you've never seen anything. <laughs> the funny thing about it, there are a lot of running bets about my sex scenes. So like for every Sova that we've won, there was a bet behind it that I had to listen to a sex scene, but I've never followed through on my bets. So one day they're going to get called in. Funny. <laughs> one day she's just going to listen to them back yeah. to back. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I know yeah. the kids are having sex. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah, Danielle, you and I will figure that out and we'll, we'll plan it. Yeah. <laughs> Now we know TJ just wants to edge. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just take it right to the end. Right to the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, it's just, I am very, I'm not a shy person, but there's something about it. Like once I write them and I throw them out there, I'm like, okay, you're gone. You're done. You're out in the world. And then, then there's like, you know, some guy or girl, I mean, that I kind of know, right? Like I meet you guys. I don't know you all that well. I mean, they're, they're, they're reading it. And it's like having someone in your brain and you're like, oh man, don't go there, please. You know, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a weird. So cute though. And here's the thing. Uh, it, it, no, it's not. Um, it, 
I'm very intimately connected to like my characters because I write them from counseling. So I, that full stop, like I always talk about that. They, my books always come out of my counseling and my, my seeking mental health, right? And so, I mean, every aspect of my stories comes out of something that's going on in my life to some degree. So it, it's kind of a very, like, it's almost like a diary to some degree. So even just listening for me initially is very hard at times for me because like I have to put myself in this space of where I separate, separate myself from the journey and the mental health journey to try to listen to you guys doing your performances and what I like and, you know, fixing the book and those kinds of things. So I think that that's part of it too, as well. So not that I have that steamy of sex scenes in my life. Just want to add that in there, but I'm just saying, <laughs> um, you know. Stop, they're good. But I do want to bring us back real quick because you were telling us about the characters and you still need to tell us. Tell them, right, and I want to get back selfish. to James. You're sorry, yeah. I want more. So tell me about- Right, this. no. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to get into James now. So James is my jack of all trades. So like every book has to have one. In Man of War had, like you said, like what, 14 voices, 13 voices? Uh, 15. And they were all, it was like these many sailors and he did all these great swarthy voices and like, <laughs> you know, pirate voices and fun things. So, um, and just so brilliantly, right? And one less voice for the rest of you to read also. But, you know, he, he and he just does such great character voices. So I, I love what you do with those. So we brought you back and you have lots of them, but you have some like Benedict Arnold, right? Some of the military characters, some of the family, Dulles' family as well. Lots of soldiers in there and some of the locals. So, and you just do those so well. And like, I always marvel at like how you come up with a different one every time. Like you always come up with a different one. I, I do. It's it... really fun and- I have no rhyme or reason as to why it just happens. It, and it's, you know, and occasionally we hear your real voice in there and I'm like, oh, there's James, right? Like, <laughs> but it's so, the funnest thing for me is when like I actually hear you guys talk, I'm like, wow, they sound nothing like that, you know? <laughs> it's always really interesting. And so there's those kernels of moments where James is like, himself completely. And you're like, oh, he chose to do himself for that voice. Isn't that nice? <laughs> um, so- Thank you again for always doing like, you're just like, seriously. And then you came to the sofas with us last year, which was so fun. You're the only that one. That was of, a lot of fun. Well, I met Samantha. Yeah, that was so fun. Yeah, we had a really good time and, you know, hung out. It was fun. And then John Hartley. So you have, um, well, you have lots of fun voices, actually. Mm-hmm. And I always know when you show up because your voice is so unique. No, um, and it's interesting. So when I pick voices, and someone asked me this before, like I look at different ranges of voices. So we have people over here and then we have people down here in the basement over here. And you, you know, you always look for those voices that really stand out and are really unique. And no matter what voice you do, you just always know you. So you have such uh, an interesting thanks, voice. And, I, it, and it always... Yeah, so one of the characters that you do is Gavin Carlyle, right? Uh, so that's John Carlyle's older brother. And if you heard John told this, tell the story, his older brother is an idiot, and he's stupid, and he can't do anything, and he's incompetent, and there's nothing good about him. And he slept with his his fiance, and he stole money from his company. So Gavin shows up in the story, and he's really pissed off at his brother. He shows up, John does some of the most amazing audio I've ever heard. He's like angry, and there's a dual scene, and he's huffing and puffing and shouting. And I was just like, oh my God, this is fabulous. So you did some really amazing stuff there. Thanks. I don't know if it's because I've been watching so much Succession. But I love these like ah, silly rivalries when everyone's kind of, you know, there's still elements of love there and obviously deep knowledge, unique knowledge, having grown up with a sibling. But uh, right. yeah, it's fun to see the uh, the tension. And yeah, you know, he's done me dirty, you know, seducing my uh, my woman. But, uh, you know, I come back and I'm 
trying to turn the tables on him a little bit, but uh, it doesn't quite work out. Yes! But the tension is great. The tension is there. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? You know, should she be with me rather than John? Oh, yeah. You know, and I think there's a moment where she's standing between them and she's like, I don't know. I might need to rethink this. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's an argument of the two brothers going over her head and she's like, wait a minute here. You know, this is a, this is a, this is a bad place to be as a woman, right? Mm -hmm. um, between these two brothers yelling at her. Um, and then the other one is Lord Tomlinson, who is Wilhelmina's husband. Um, and he is like literally the mustache twirling villain. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Patrick and, uh, you know, James would agree. I think one of the things we really look for as actors is that journey and that uh, transformation. And it's in your notes at the beginning that you gave me before coming to this. You know, the guy's not a nice guy at the beginning he's really unpleasant but he's an army officer and he's trying to hold it together so you can kind of forgive him a little bit of brusqueness and you know not everyone around him is particularly competent but then as the story evolves and you see just how dark his intentions are with regards to uh the environment but then of course Wilhelmina and beyond that his descent is really was an amazing thing to uh, amazing journey to go on so that by the final few chapters when he's really really uh on the edge it's yeah really really wonderful story wonderful journey so he's gonna like that character is kind of gonna go from like kind of a menacing difficult villain to just chaos like complete and, and if you've seen my chaos in my books previously chaotic <laughs> um, it's hard to believe because we know like roger delancey right is like the epitome of kind of chaos as a character but uh but he actually kind of goes even further really um and point, yeah. this yeah this man is it has a lot of power right he's still in the military he's a lord right and uh and he wants his wife back and he's very insistent about getting her back but it's not because he like loves his wife in particular it's because he needs her for something so uh we're going to kind of see what he does and obviously he he partners up with our favorite marnie is not here but celeste right because yeah. you knew she was going to partner up uh, with somebody's it's such a great character and such a great because they're both so dark but they can work together and each trying to exert power over the other one and they obviously have obviously fitting ends let's just say but it's uh yeah i think it's really really strong i think what makes him so scary by the end is that there's an element of unpredictability. You have no idea how he's going to react in what kind of situation. And that's, that really raises the stakes for, uh, for everyone involved in the story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course we know there's a, there's a fabulous, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a fabulous gauntlet scene. And yeah. I think when you get to that moment, you realize like he really has like, like there, and even John kind of is like, whoa, like something's happened to my friend here, right? Scary. Like he's not, yeah, he's not the same guy anymore. So yeah. when you think Roger Delancey has like really surprised us all, right? Because he does some pretty bad things. You know, we we see this whole different type of evil, right? Um, and then there's James McKesson, right? Who he's kind of partnered with for part of the story too as well. You know, are those two going to double cross each other? Or what are they going to do? You know, are they really working together? Yeah, he's kind of all over. He like Celeste kind of moves all the pieces around the the tape the, the the table, right? And you just kind of yeah. watch and see what he does. So. And speaking of McKesson, there are a few elements where my guy uh, Stephen comes back. And what I yes. was wondering what what inspired you to have that kind of the the presence there because he's not there necessarily in person, person, but his his presence is still there. So you have to remember that the man of war man of war came after actually the turncoat. 
So there never was originally meant to be a man of war. That story didn't actually exist. Um, it was an idea for a different series, a different story, a different everything. Stephen was, that was the only way we ever saw her father was through her memories. He was ever present to her and he's really representative of my father. So when I wrote this book, my father was in a very serious accident. He broke his neck. Eventually we, we lost him to psychological issues and dementia and different things like that. So there was multiple things that played out with my dad, but I was kind of going through my dad's accident and then my dad's sickness and then losing my father. And so it was shades of me losing my dad through each of these books and how I could kind of see shadows of him still in the person that remained, right? Yeah. And was kind of reaching for those shadows to guide me through what I was dealing with in my own mental health. So it was kind of, Dallas is really kind of in a way me, like looking to that that person who, who isn't alive in my world anymore for guidance. So that's how he shows up in the story. So eventually I was like, well, I need to show this man, like who was he? And so then we see him in book number four, which is actually the prequel, Man of War. And, and then we find out who he really is, right? And was, but we never actually see his love affair with her, her, her mother. We just hear about it. We know that it happened and that there was a falling out and that Delancey wanted her, his wife, you know, but that's it. That's all we're ever meant to see because that's really what the story was originally, so. Gosh, that's incredibly personal. I think as actors, we don't often think about how the author created this uh, these characters. So it's really interesting to see just how Stephen and all these other characters came into came into being. Well, mm -hmm. and, and here's the thing. So Delancey was an old boss of mine. Well, he wasn't going on stage <laughs> stopping and murdering. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Bad boss. Excellent. Delancey was an old boss of mine, full disclosure. Um, and Immortalized in print. That's yes, great. yes. Oh, I hope he hears it too. He'll know exactly. <laughs> he used to quote, he used to quote the art of war to me. I'd sit in his office, he'd be like, you know, he's like he would he would do the Nietzsche, that which does not destroy you, Tracy, makes you stronger. And then he would give me the the old um, know thy enemy is know thyself. I'm like, dude, that's like a military tactic. That's not how you deal with your employees, but he would be rolled with it. So Gross. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then ultimately, like, Lord Tomlinson is loosely based on someone who was also in my life. Oh, really? um, and, <laughs> yeah, Danielle and Viviana Snicker. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there are... Perks of being friends with the author, right? <laughs> you um, only hope that you don't it. end up pissing her off. Oh my God, am I going to end yeah. up dead in one of your books? <laughs> the last is all based off of you know uh different women i knew in my life but not necessarily in a bad way but in a way that women do things to try to um to get gain control or have power when they feel powerless so i will say that yeah that was it is that, fascinating so. how we as the readers kind of get the final product all nicely tied up in bows whether it's the you know the eyeball read or the audio and so much goes into it. So it's one of the reasons why I love having these roundtables is to provide you guys with this kind of form of opportunity to get you guys as a narrators to ask TJ some questions, but also have TJ share some of her insights in these characters that might be like, whoa, that's why they did that. Ah, okay. I was going to say, there's a lot of sibling rivalry in my books because sibling rivalry has kind of affected all generations, at least that mm -hmm. I know of my family, from my grandfather's to my father's to my life. So sibling rivalry is something like I, I know very very well um so like i'm constantly working through sibling rivalry and it's kind of a running theme throughout i think my stories um so for anybody i always 
like I feel like people that's one of the the storylines that they resonate a lot with is they're like, yeah, I get it. I've had that. I, 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 my brother's like that, or I have that relationship with my sister, or, you know, or what have you. So, so yeah, that that's some of it. But yeah, Viv, I don't know if you want to do some of one of the clips and we can talk yeah. about it. So I got this DM from TJ uh, just the other day. He's like, oh my God, it's like pinky in the brain. And I'm like, um, you're very missionary. How does this, you know, how does this partake? Uh, so TJ, tell us a little bit about this scene that we're going to play for all of you guys to listen to the first time. Cause you guys recorded separately, but we're going to hear it all together. So it is uh, John Hartley and uh, Patrick Zeller together and they are plotting evil. Um, they are trying to, well, both not only catch James's son, Alexei, but they're also trying to get Wilhelmina back, the, the missing heiress. Mm -hmm. And so this is where they kind of start to make a deal. It's just brilliant. And wait till you guys hear yourself together. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. I understand we're both looking for something. Perhaps we can help each other. Tomlinson's head. Getting to the point rather quickly for a first meeting. A man who skipped the usual pleasantries was often desperate and careless. So experience had taught James. He must tread lightly. What is it you want, sir? I seek my wife, Lady Tomlinson. And I believe you're looking for your son. I happen to have him in my custody as we speak. Tomlinson lifted the glass to his lips and sipped through a smile. The whole tenor of the conversation changed immediately. Though James was still hesitant to admit anything, instead he downed what was left of his drink and poured himself another. Please continue. As I'm sure you know, your son is very obstinate. He won't tell me where he has hidden my wife. Donlinson leaned over the desk so their eyes met. I want her back. <laughs> yeah he's so freaking evil <laughs> and he's so sweet and nice in real life i'm like you're a bastard <laughs> <laughs> that's nice it's so funny because recording it in isolation you have no idea how it's going to be put together but it works really really well, mm -hmm. well, well, that, well you guys sound so fabulous together like your voices just play really beautifully off each other in that mm -hmm. scene i mean and and also very evilly too by the way i just want to add that in um but I was listening to that scene. I'm like, oh my gosh, Danielle, Danielle over in the corner. You wake up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was messaging down like, oh my God, Danielle, did you hear this? And you should see that if anybody could see our DMs, they would probably, they would, they would die. We could tell a whole book about our DMs listening to the, the turncoat. <laughs> But we were listening to that and it was just fabulous. Like I said, you're plotting evil. It, it just sounds so great. Yeah. And you're both like so very present and really just yeah. like, you just sound so very present in it. It's just amazing. It really is cool. Amazing. It is a treat seeing when that comes together like that. Because yeah, you do, you're doing it in a vacuum. And I remember when I was starting out doing this, I was just so suspicious. I think it was actually a book <laughs> from Marnie was my first like duet situation and i was like i don't i don't know how this is gonna work i this is crazy i don't know why people do this but i i she said trust me it'll be fine we're gonna hook you up it's gonna sound brilliant said, right and i did it and it came out and it sounded great and i was like okay all right but you do have to take kind of a leap of faith yeah. and it's that same thing when it's well written 
it makes everyone's job easier because the character's clear, what they want is clear, and how they're going to get it. And that makes it all just sort of fit perfect. If anything is ambiguous, then I got to make stuff up to make it clear, you know? And then if I'm making something up, might not work with what someone else is making up to make their stuff make sense. So you did a great job just giving us that endowing uh, these these characters with such clarity that it makes it easier. I'll agree. I'll second that. I think that's to have such distinct characters means that you can just lean into it and know they're going to be different and really yep. stand out from yep. one another. And, yep. you know, there's, I love that moment, the moment that really stood out. It just works so well is when, Patrick has the narration, he leans onto the table and then that you could just feel the proximity that comes in there. So it's a really nice, uh, really lovely scene. That's awesome. Yeah, as a listener, I have no idea that you guys are not in the same room plotting this evil plan and scheming. And Danielle That's does a fantastic... Yeah, Danielle does a fantastic... <laughs> I was getting it. She does that audio is tight. Show. Yeah, well yeah. done, Danielle. Danielle, what is it like to listen? I mean, you're like getting these different tracks from everyone as they're, you know, when they're finally done recording... And I can, all, I mean, I know what it's like on a podcast when I have all of y'all's <laughs> track to do and I'm going, oh, I don't want to be Danielle. Danielle, how <laughs> is that like to then get all this stuff together? No, it's it's really fun. Uh, I like being challenged. So the more <laughs> cast members, the better. I just, I love it. And she never says no to me. I'm like, can we have one more? Can we have one more? <laughs> She never says no, um, and that's the problem. <laughs> the, the technical <laughs> thing that, that goes behind it, I mean, again, from even just as simple as what I do for the podcast, and I know that, you know, Samantha and Danielle know it from a production, and same thing with you guys that produce, it's a lot to make it, you know, there's 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 spaces and making sure that timing is right, because especially like when John and Patrick are acting this stuff, their, their, their emotions are involved in how they enunciate and and the you know moments and stuff like that you're going okay can't clip that one because of this and we have to add more space because of that it's just a lot but it's effortlessly done at the end of the final product because of how Danielle does it it's fantastic no I just Thank want you. to step in and nerd out for a second as uh -huh. somebody who does produce and yes, also right? whether or not they're duet productions or dual there have been a number of books that I'll listen to afterwards and go oh that's interesting mastering you've done on that or mm -hmm. like you know it's <laughs> It, or a duet, you feel like, oh, one person's in a closet or one person's in, mm -hmm. and it's not smooth. And, um, you know, or even the spacing, like a lot yep. of times editors play with your spacing a lot and it sounds so incredible and it's not easy to do and it requires somebody who actually cares. And so um, I always really appreciate when you can feel that care on the technical side, because, you know, we yes. can do whatever we're going to do in the box, but it's then in your hands. Um, and so thank you for taking care of us and making us sound so amazing. Thank yeah. you. But y'all make my job really easy, too. So your, your box are really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something about the pacing of that scene that just works incredibly well, because mm -hmm. you have the dialogue that's going on. But then you can also just imagine in, in yourself in the head of... Uh, of um, Patrick's character and you, know, you can just imagine them kind of looking at each other making mm -hmm. having a sip yeah. of their drink or you know a little smoke of a cigarette while they then wait to say the next line I think it's really it's very cinematic yeah actually. and mm -hmm. I do well I just so, something's a little different than most sound engineers on that end as far as I know uh, but I, I call it directional editing <laughs> because mm -hmm. like for breathing I usually remove all breaths unless they belong in the scene like if the character is running or scared 
or we have rules about like, we have rules about props. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like are, Patrick's props, especially as the Lancy, they stay because they belong <laughs> they <stay>. there. <laughs> <laughs> they sound so menacing. I'm always like, don't cut them, don't cut them. <laughs> but the same thing goes for spacing too, because yes. you know they they make people the listener feel a different way. Uh, depending on the scene you know some Uh of them just need to be faster than others so kind of in a way manipulate how the listener will feel about the words being said Mm -hmm. yep it really is like sitting down and watching a movie when I'm listening to one of TJ's books and and Danielle has done a phenomenal job of making that possible I mean TJ the, the story itself is fantastic you can eyeball read it and be just as in love um, but the magic of the audio, uh, you know, and spacing and performance that you guys provide is then now hand held by Danielle. And it's like, thank you for not messing that up. <laughs> well, if you've got any listeners who are, any listeners who've got production companies, you guys should option this right now and then cast me and Patrick and then we'll do it yeah. for you on camera. <laughs> Let me tell you that Patrick and I decided that back when the Tory was done, like, right. We were like, if mm-hmm. this ever goes, you're in it. You're Delancey, man. Yep. That's the way that it yes. is. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it. There's no one else. I originally actually had Colin Farrell in mind when I created that character. He's not available. And I was like, no. He's not available. <laughs> no, he's, not. he's not. He's totally not available, but yeah. you're, you know, you've taken the role, but I do want to say where Danielle is concerned and where you guys are concerned I learned a ton from listening to audio and working with all of you on my end to rewrite my books for audio because that's where the majority of my readers have now come from so there's definitely I've learned a lot about about how to direct you guys a little bit through my writing too so less dialogue tags but more direction in what they're doing and how they're like reacting and the pacing of their words and stuff Mm. and m dashes and ellipsises and i put a lot more italics in the book that wasn't just because i'm happy at doing those things it was because the thought was i'm trying to direct you guys a little into what i'm looking for through the prose and also working with danielle and learning what she does with you know the timing and those different things so um and by partnering with her she's been so kind as to not fire me um (laughs) and partner with me (laughs) And allow me to be like, hey, Dan, like, you know, like, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And it's allowed us to really kind of take it to the next step in terms of like working on the audios, because this one is, I like to think that everyone we she and I do together, we kind of get it a little bit more closer to what we're trying to do. So yeah. And but your cast also never phones it in. It's just one of those things where they've they've done the prep no. work. They've they've they, they, they almost like they become these characters. And you know, you're like, you do not want to be around them when they're reading or prepping because you're scared um, unless they're a good character. And then you're like, yes, please, Lauren. Uh- <laughs> I, do send, I do send out more emails. I know that I do send out more pickups. Please more, please more. They usually get that. But because yeah. um, I like I like them over the top a little bit. But well, it seems to be working. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? Uh, but when you guys think it sounds over the top in my ear, it doesn't. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. in the booth, you're like, wow, I'm like, on top of this microphone screaming my head off and then tj's like more more um, well so, you're also you're also hearing a more finished product with right the uh the the climax the crescendoing of the other characters in the whole scene where we're it's in our imagination but we don't really know right. where it's gonna end up so i'm that's fine by me i don't care you, you're seeing the picture more than we can yep 
But I will say that all y'all kind of have the same imagination as me because, I mean, like I get your clips. You've not been in the room together, yet you're all so elevated in your performances. So there is something that you're all either getting from the pros or from your own inspiration or we're just all on the same page. But you're all like elevating, you know, I mean, on this level where it, that you match each other. So it's it's really interesting. You really do. Yeah, I know um, part of the conversation. Yeah, there was, but I would say that when I heard um, there was one clip that John uh was narrating and, and TJ was like, "My God, I I won't be surprised if he was jumping up and down and doing all this huffing and puffing to get you know on top of the mic." And I feel bad for the mic. Uh, and I'm like, John's a it's professional. A dual <laughs> he's like, he's like totally like just having a moment there, and I'm like, yes amazing and then i'm like whoa john carlisle you need to step it up i'm like you're getting your butt beat in this scene here right you know so it's fun because mm -hmm. when you get those moments and you get to hear it like that but yes. yeah yeah it's true. and yeah and also here we do have another clip i'm going to share it now it's it's between um adam and samantha who has oh. been a yes <laughs> i love her reaction and i love her voice samantha i love your voice it's just one of i those, know yeah it's just it's, <laughs> something you can play uh, TJ, do you want to give us a, a info a little bit of the scene okay, before? Okay, so this is the infamous waterboarding scene. <laughs> um, so, well, it's part of it. Um, so our our soon to be hero, um, Alexei McKesson, son of James McKesson, is um, dunking this really naughty water boy's head into a bucket of water because he's very. <laughs> Cranky is the best way to put it. So, but I can't give too much away about this scene because it is a pivotal scene in The Rebel. As a matter of fact, it is one of the climactic scenes in The Rebel. So I can't say too much about it. But this is when yeah. Will is posing as a young washerboy, correct? Yeah, but how does he get to that point that he's posing as a, like, you know, these people apparently are having a woman? Affair, I don't but know, but he's... I can't wait to find out. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, you have slept together we know that we know that things have happened but now she's dressed as a boy and he's dunking her head in a bucket of water like how did it get here right um so yeah. you're just gonna have to wait to find out <laughs> all right i'm gonna hit play guys okay will can you go to the cellar and grab a pitcher of cider the boy's cherubic face registered a scowl as he pointed at the counter i have all those dishes to wash before customers come for breakfast you get it Inclining his head in Agnes's direction, he added, Or let her do it. Kitchen work is for women anyway, is it not? Besides, I've plenty of my own to do. Before Dallas could give the insubordinate dishboy a piece of her mind, Alexei was out of his chair with Will lifted off the ground, hanging by the seat of his pants and his collar. Don't you ever talk to my cousin that way, woman. He cut off abruptly as he turned the boy about and looked straight into his eyes. She was kind enough to give your sorry little ass a job and a place to live. You will treat her with respect. Put me down, you overbearing beast. Will yelled back. Dellis found herself hand to mouth stifling a giggle. <laughs> the boy was bold indeed. Nobody but her dared to insult Alexei, if they valued their life. Yeah, I did not know it was That's Samantha. Woman. Yeah, I did not know that was Samantha when I first heard the clip. I was like... Uh, TJ, where's Sam's part? She's like, that was it. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> that was She's rad. Just a that little was amazing. <laughs> spunky, shitty boy. <laughs> that was great. Uh, well done. Well what's done more, indeed. What's more disturbing is that's her. That's his woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't yeah. know that at all, right? Because they haven't. This is technically. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. He knows it's his woman. Oh, oh. no. There's, there's oh. no secret. 
Okay, there's good. Yes. So yeah, we're going to have to be reading a lot more. Hey, all y'all who read mafia books and all y'all who no, read no, all yeah. books. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get, I was just, uh, uh, when I heard the clip, I was like, wow, I did not, damn Sam, you know, that was fantastic. So it's like hearing it now. <laughs> I think it was one of the first ones that was teased and came out and uh, I got a lot of messages that were very confused because they were, are you a boy in this are you a teen i was like it's a whole thing it's part of you you'll it's fine it's, you, you'll get it you'll get it you just gotta read the book <laughs> and it's interesting because adam is new to my cast he's mm-hmm. taking over um as well as you are so there, there there's our new heroine heroine together in that scene um and the first time we're seeing them they're they're not exactly on good terms so it makes for an interesting uh an interesting start for them. But Adam sounds so brilliant with you too there. You guys mm-hmm. both sound so amazing. So Danielle and I were secretly going, oh my God, this is going to be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And I, and it is, it is delightful sort of when, after getting tarred and feathered that um, she, <laughs> she gets to, you know, that, that, that breakdown of the persona that she has um, is, is really a delightful journey to go on kind of as we were talking before. And we, I kept her purposely nebulous, right? Because I, I don't want to give away too much story. So I just have to intrigue the reader and make the go, oh, like what's going on here? Like what's happening? You know, and then as the story breaks down, we know certain things are going to happen between them, right? Because I have to show them in the turncoat. But it's like, how did we get here? And where does it go, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where we're going to end up in in the rebel and then the raider and then the renegade. And so we have um, the main characters in the book, obviously, are Wilhelmina and and um, an Alexei, but Lord Tomlinson, ha ha ha, evil, evil. Um, and then uh, we have Eagle Eyes, who also is a main character. So we've all seen Eagle Eyes throughout this whole series, right? Um, but now we're going to find out what his journey was, how he came into the story, and 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 what he has to do with Wilhelmina too in this um, as well. So um, yeah, lots of lots of different little strings to pull. Um, so with every, so that every, sorry, go ahead, TJ, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go on. No, you're no, going. No, you go. No, I was going to say, James, we didn't have a clip of you today, but we're going to post one of you because I didn't know how much time we were going to have with everybody, but you've got so many lines. I need to like put you up as Benedict Arnold. That sounds like the right way to go. I agree. I would say either Benedict Arnold or Joseph. That so he does Joseph. I don't know if you guys remember Joseph. That's her grandfather, and he has a very important role. He is not actually a historical character, but you also do another famous one, Han Yeri. Han Yeri is a real character. Yes. So Han Yeri was uh, was actually an Oneida war chief, and he really was involved in the battles of Oriskany and the Battle of Fort Stanwix. And so I really wanted to draw attention to this very important historical character that most people do not even know anything about. Um, and that he had such an important ro- role in um, in, the, in the battle specifically of Oriskany, him and his wife, two kettles together, um, as well as Thomas Sinovith, Thomas Spencer, uh, Skenadoa, those were all the, those were all Oneida. Um, and they were part of the American Revolutionary War and unfortunately have not really shown up in a lot of the literature. So when I was writing the story, I wanted to kind of bring them in and talk a little bit about them. So uh, yeah, he did those also as well. See, well, people are gonna have to wait to hear this stuff until it airs. Um, she's probably gonna post that one, James, earlier. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's all good. I I love getting these clips and being able to hear about it. Sam, I wanted to ask you because you're the newbie in this cast as far mm-hmm. as the the you know people are as the narrators are going. And one of the things I love asking you guys is like, what is a favorite scene that you performed in this book for you that stood out? 
Oh, I mean, I think that the one that you just played was actually the most fun because there's so much going on with it. Mm -hmm. And again, I, the challenge of of we went back and forth a few times um, sending samples of like, what does it sound like to be a, a woman who's pretending to be a young boy? Is this too far? Is this like I'm not going to do like my romance man voice? Like, where are we finding it? So finding that voice was um a real delight. Um, and then, you know, it's fun because she's just a spitfire in this, but like still trying to maintain that persona. So, yeah, I'd say that. Or later when she does a f finally break down and lose that persona and then, you know, shows off who she really is, mm -hmm. um, is, is a fun one. But I, yeah, I, I, I want more of this 13 year old <laughs> persona washer boy in the, in the future, but it's going to be fun. Oh, guys, guess who's joining us? Hold on. Admitting. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is this? Uh, talk about him and he appears. Plan an audio clip and he appears. <laughs> Guys, Adam Gold is joining us at the moment. <laughs> woo woo. It's Alexei. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Welcome, um, Adam. Yeah. Your audio. There you are. There we go. All right. There he is. Nice. Welcome. Woo. Welcome. Hi. I am uh, only in here just a, just a couple minutes, but uh, they're presenting some stuff to the client, so I've got a few minutes to uh, hang out and catch up with you guys. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Absolutely. You just missed your clip. I think it sounded like the timing kind of worked out, so I... Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you knew. It was, like, magical. Yeah, we just finished playing that one clip. Um, where uh, uh, Alexi is uh, dunking uh, Will's head into the water. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes I have ever read. So thank <laughs> you. I feel so Amazing. honored, actually. Because <laughs> you've read a lot of books. <laughs> it's not so nice from the other perspective, though, when we see it in The Rebel. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I not so much. <laughs> uh, TJ, quickly, can you tell us a little bit about Alexi? Okay, I tell you about Alexi. Um, what can I tell you about Alexi? That probably Adam can't tell us about Alexi. I actually call Adam Alexi most of the time. <laughs> well, we can have Adam, Adam tell he, us. <laughs> it works for me. It, yeah, tell, yeah, you tell us about him. Oh man, I mean Alexi is—he uh, is just this incredibly complex, powerful, deep character um, that I feel like is kind of an actor's dream of uh, getting to step in the boots of a guy like this uh he is you know he is he is kind of the archetypal uh rebel i think uh in terms of really everything his entire life has kind of been uh rebelling um and for me at the very least the fact that uh you get to see him begin his journey in this book really uh is is just incredible going from this guy who has been uh, a little bit on the fringes a little bit uh you know outcast from perhaps the stereotype or i guess the the other major characters in the book um you know he is uh he's a caucasian man uh who is uh essentially has gone over to the native side and uh he is he's proving himself and he's got this uh this internal struggle that he's fighting as much as this external struggle and it's a really beautiful thing to watch. Um, and I think when when TJ was kind of explaining him to me in the beginning, she was going through this, uh, you know, his arc uh, that he's going to go through over the coming books. And um, I am I am super, super excited to get to go through that with him. Um, 
he he's a little bit of a a last of the Bohicans kind of character a little bit. Mm-hmm. I always think of him like that. He's a little bit of nat- natty bumpo, but not quite so friendly. <laughs> um, and and Adam, your your I just never will forget. And Danielle will agree. Your um, audition was just like so incredible. Um, we had so many amazing auditions and. You know, when it's love, when you hear a voice and it's love. And it was one of those that me and Danielle were like, I mean, I had like, I'm not kidding. I had like 14 voices and they were all numbered. And so I couldn't see who anybody was. I just got to listen to them. And I'm like, Danielle, I don't want to know any of them. Just give me them all and I'm going to listen to them. And I, I'm like, okay, who's number three? She's like, you haven't listened to all of them. I'm like, who's number three? And she's like, yeah, you have a I'm like, just tell me who number three is. And so she told me and I'm like, oh my God, like, okay, I'm going to listen to all of them. And they were all amazing. But you were just like, kind of like when I heard Patrick do, um, Delancey the first time I was like oh my gosh this is just love like it's meant to be yeah right? you know, I already Samantha, knew when I, heard I already it. knew who she was gonna pick yeah <laughs> like we just knew I mean like even John like you came in and, and actually auditioned for another character and then you came back and auditioned for Renee Levesque I'm like oh my gosh like who wants to do this character but he does it so well right you know and then we had James come in and you actually didn't even audition we just knew you were such a great character actor and we brought you in but but it was one of those things, Adam, when you did Alexei, I was like, I told him, I go, this man is six foot five. He is big. He's mean. He's a, he's a, he's a warrior. I said, but he's been through a really terrible life, right? Because James McKesson, we all know that character. We know that he abused his, his, his younger brother, Dane, right? Well, do you think that abuser is going to stop that now that his older brother has moved, his younger brother has moved on in his life? Well, of course not. There's such thing as horizontal violence, right? So where is he going to put that? And he has a very, very important reason to really dislike Alexi in his mind, right? James does. And we saw it in Man of War, but we're going to really see it in his story. Alexi doesn't even know it yet as a character, how he came to be, that how he treated his mother, those things. So, you know, there's a lot that this character has suffered through, and but he's resilient and he's tough and he's strong. And he's also very soft below the surface. And he's also slowly becoming his father, the biggest thing he fears in his life. And he's really caught between um, being Stephen McKesson's son, the man who really did raise him, and being James McKesson's son, the man who really is his father. So we see this character caught between both worlds. So he's a he's he's a larger than life character, but he's also, you know, and then Wilhelmina is all a five foot one. So he's six foot five, six foot six, and she's five foot one, and she's hell on wheels, and she's confounding, and she's difficult, and he's just like, I can't deal with this. Um, no love in my life, and uh, so yeah. She makes up for that foot difference with personality. She oh, just, yeah. she just, <laughs> yeah, she does. Right, and that was the plan, right? Like, who conquers this? mountain of a man right like who conquers this mountain of a man you know mm-hmm. as my as my editor would say who climbed that tree um so that's <laughs> <laughs> will will's your girl <laughs> yeah exactly so and and adam but we would get these clips from you and we were at daniel I'd be like did you hear this did you hear this and i'd be mm-hmm. like yeah i heard that because <laughs> daniel loves alexa that's her favorite character yes that is her favorite yes <laughs> Yeah. But it's all right. It's all right. I know he's the bad guy, right? He's he's tentatively the bad guy for right now. But uh Well, yeah, he is, but he also isn't though, right? In the turncoat. Mm-hmm. He kind of, you know, mm-hmm. he's coming around. Yeah. Yeah, he's, coming yeah, around. He, he's the bad guy depending on who he's around. Sorry, bad guy there. is probably not the right word. He's he's the bad guy. <laughs> there we go. Is that that's perhaps the 
<laughs> the better angle. But we, but he, but he does get a bit of a bromance later in the story, right? You know, <laughs> him and him and John have their moments where they actually do get along, which is like you know kind of unheard of. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we see him against Lord Tomlinson in one of the in the in one of the great scenes of this book. Although Alexi doesn't have a lot of lines in that scene, uh, we do get to see uh, him and Lord Tomlinson mm-hmm. for the first time together in one scene. So that's the. Uh, Wilhelmina's husband so yeah that's going to be an interesting one (laughs) yeah it was great to listen to these clips because again you guys are not in the same room you guys are not acting off each other but it seems like we're just watching a movie and you guys are making it happen and and again a testament to Danielle's editing to make it seem that way Um, but yeah those those clips were great thank you for sharing that with us guys and uh, cannot wait for more likewise awesome (laughs) thanks for sharing with us you know it's so wonderful to hear it put together it's fun to hear all 12 of now because we have 12 we added an additional cast member so um because this isn't going to go live just yet until we announce our other cast member i do i can get to announce it right danielle can i announce it here yeah yeah because it comes afterwards (laughs) i'm not danielle but i'm telling her she's sorry the dog was barking so i had you know mute Okay, I can announce it. So we actually added Dane Anderson into the cast. So Dane is a very good friend of mine. um, And he's taken on a couple additional roles, um, because we needed a little bit of voice difference, because all y'all are in certain ranges. And like, Mm -hmm. I listen for things. And me and Danielle were like, we need somebody in a little different spot with his voice. So he is going to be taking on um, Patrick, who is um, the former love interest of our lead character, uh, Dallas McKesson, and he's taking on Ruslan, who would be Alexi's younger brother. So he would be your younger brother, right? So yeah, and so those characters get bigger as they go on. And so he was kind enough to jump in and, and pitch hit or slap shot or whatever you want to call it um, for us. And he, he picked up those additional characters. So I use the hockey references because he's from Canada and I'm from Detroit. So it's the thing, right? Um, and hockey is so, very yeah. popular right now as far as romance uh, genre goes, which is uh, surprising for me because I'm like, where have y'all been? Dane's going to be a great addition to the cast. I think it's going to work out perfectly. And it is true. You guys all have these ranges in your tones and your voices, what you guys provide for the characters. And I mean, there's some times where in a previous book, I was like, uh, TJ, who's narrating that voice right now? And it was Patrick. And I have no idea it was Patrick. And and John, I've told you this a thousand times. Um, there there are times where I can't even tell that it's you. Be, uh, and as far as no, you know, the no, goes. I always know his voice. I well, that's that's a different conversation. Like, oh. DJ, no, that's a different no. conversation. Why you can totally pick out where John is? Okay, I can, <laughs> I can always pick out his voice. But I know all their voices, though. Yes. Although Adam, no, that's you not know. true. Oh, yeah, Adam yeah, and Adam Chiefs will do a few. Yeah, like yeah. Adam did a few. I was like, is that Adam or is that James? Like, I can't mm-hmm. tell which yes. one is it, Danielle. And Danielle would be like, we'll keep her on her toes, James. Yeah, yeah. No, sometimes, but usually, and the girls are different because the ladies are such different. Like, yes, it, it, they're just, they're just, I mean, Tara's over here, Marnie's over here, Samantha's over here, and Shayna's over here. Like, they're just in very different places. But, you know, some mm-hmm. of the guys are lower together. Well, like I said, I didn't know that was Samantha doing the, you know, Will's voice at first. I was like, where's Samantha in this pro? <laughs> so, yeah. It, it's it's very interesting from a listener's perspective to try to figure out when it's a multicast. You guys are so talented and figuring out who's playing whom. And even in Man of War, when some of James' characters, I was like, that's James? That's James. Oh my God, James. So <laughs> it's always great. James had that opening scene with Captain Barrington where he was so fabulous, where he's dying. And it was just 
so amazing. Yeah, at the beginning. And I knew who that was. Um, but I get a lot of fans who will reach out to me privately. They'll DM me. They'll slip into my DMs. So who, which one is this? And I'm like, what you mean, which one is it? And then I actually have to go back and listen and be like, oh, shit, which one is it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> James, yeah, as, as the man of many voices, do you do a lot of VO work that is not exclusive to audiobooks? Or do you do a lot of audiobooks with lots of characters? Like, where does that sort of range come from in terms of your experience? Uh, my experience actually stems from, I would say, toddlerhood, because <laughs> I would be plopped nice. down in front of the television set. And as a Gen Xer, like most of us are, um, Saturday morning cartoons, blue shag carpet, bowl of Fruit Loops, and I would mimic every blasted thing that I would see come across that television. Carpet. Yep. Shag <laughs> carpet for the win. Uh, fast forward <laughs> to age of 12, I'm now involved in theater. So having to play, you know, drunkards and villains and heroes and goofballs and the guy in the stocks because he can't behave himself. I've I've done it all. Um, I think my most boisterous presentation was I was the ghost of Christmas present for the Radio City Music Hall version of A Christmas Carol. Wow. Wow, that's cool, actually. When are you going to bring that ghost voice into this world? We've got to find the right. Gotta... <laughs> I have ghosts in my book. I have ghosts in my book. I do. Tara does them, as a matter of fact. I have ghosts. I just, they're not boy ghosts. They've been girl ghosts. I see. But, you know. Look at yeah. Sam doing her casting, you know, production stuff while we're talking. Look at that. Shoot. <laughs> and then to, to wrap it up for your question, Samantha, um, I'm also a dungeon master for D&D. So I have well, to Well, then there up. you go. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I have to <laughs> call your voices. all of the NPC character voices for everybody they're going to talk to. You know, the tailor, the blacksmith, the mayor, the secretary yes. to the mayor, the tavern keeper, the brewmaster, everybody. Yes, that's some of the best practice. There you go. My DM does not make fun voices. Like, what the You need a new DM, I know, right? <laughs> Mine wasn't a good one, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll have it's you roll for initiative. We'll go from there. <laughs> uh, TJ or Danielle, do you guys have any questions for Adam while we still have them? Danielle, mm. do you have any? <laughs> Not to put of you on course, now my mind is like blank. Blank. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how I felt the second I jumped in here. I was like, oh God, I've been reading scripts for the past hour. You're like, don't ask me <laughs> any serious <laughs> questions, please. Where am um, I? Sleeping all two you know, hours a night with the newborn, so you know I'm I'm definitely definitely running on all cylinders. <laughs> thank you though for coming. We appreciate it. You know, mm -hmm. honestly, like we we just had so much fun listening to your clips. Like you did so many different voices too. Like all of you guys, I don't understand. Like I'm fascinated by it because like I don't even like the sound of my voice. So like I'm always fascinated by you guys doing like all these different voices. You know, I mean like. Adam, you can completely sound like a, like all of you. You can sound like totally different people. Like, how mm -hmm. do you? I, I don't like. I can't wrap my head around it. Like, how do you guys do that? It's, I, I don't know. I want to say it's James is on the right track. I think it's a lot of pretend when you're a little kid, and uh, that turns into a career somehow. We're fortunate enough to say so. Yeah, clearly, I didn't have that career. No, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> But I did sit around writing little poems and stories and stuff when I was a kid. So I'll own that. Like, I mean, I did write like my first like poem that was published when I was in first grade. So, I mean, I did, you know, like start writing young, but, um, and, and then I have, I wrote my first book when I was actually like in 10th grade, but no one will ever see it. It will never see the light of day. <laughs> 
it, it's hidden deep in the basement mm-hmm. of my parents' house and will never surface again. But it was a hockey romance, actually. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. We were saying hockey's hot. Bring it back out. I'm Edit it up. You. you know, just <laughs> bring out that vintage work. I am the revolutionary author. There are plenty of people writing hockey romance out there. So um, that's my rule. Yeah. I know Still dress them up in red, white, and blue. It'll work. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, or just give us one scene. Put the puck in the net, Trace. Come on. <laughs> there's, definitely, there's definitely puck going in nuts. Let's just put it that way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could always publish with a pen name. Nobody will know. Oh, no. no. They'll know my writing the minute they see it. They'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's all those. Yep, yep, yep. There's those multi descriptors for different ways of doing things, like yeah. my overuse of certain words. But yeah, yeah. Well, Adam, I have a question. What was it like getting um to be cast in this role since it's the first official TJ London book? I mean, it was uh, the second that the second that I looked up TJ and I, I kind of saw her body of work and I I saw the cast that she was working with. Um, I I was like, oh God, this is you know this is. <laughs> This is gonna be a shot in the dark, but I'm I'm gonna take my shot. Um, and uh, I like that Hamilton reference. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just uh, it was it was really surreal when uh, when they came back and and said that that I was going to be the voice of Alexi, and particularly, I think when I really got into the nitty gritty of who Alexi was and kind of what he represented in the story and the journey that he takes over the next few books. Um, it is just, and sorry, I, <laughs> I'm going to be probably having to take off here in just a oh, minute. Yeah. Um, no. But uh, I mean, it was just, it was incredible. It was, uh, I, I have done a couple, you know, a couple ensemble uh, productions in the past, but I think this is really this group of, uh, of actors and narrators. It's a, a different tier of uh, of quality. It is a, a different caliber, um, and to be throwing my name in the hat with you guys is a uh, it's such an honor. Um, and reading <laughs> reading your writing, it was really just I, I think it was love at first sight. Um, I, I read a lot of books, and uh, it is it's a rare privilege I think to really just be drawn in so much that you know that you think about it. You know, the, after you send in the audition and you're just kind of just praying out to the universe uh, that you're going to get this one back. Um, and so it was just a, it, it has been an absolute honor and a privilege. And I, uh, I cannot wait to continue doing this work with you guys. And more importantly, I can't wait to hear how everything comes together, because I've only heard these bits and pieces from uh, Danny's brilliantly edited clips. And I have to say, I mean, it's it sounds it's it's a cinematic production it's like a little in my ears um and i i just can't wait to hear how everything comes together in the end so thank you so much adam thank you um and you know what honestly thank you everybody for like always putting your 100 percent in i really appreciate it um if you don't ever get to have a movie as an as a as an author this is just as good so i get to pick you know because in that situation i don't necessarily get to pick so here i get to pick Mm -hmm. But thank you so much, Adam. It's a, I'm really looking forward to hearing the whole final product, hopefully yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah, me too. But in the yeah. meantime, thank you guys so much for having me on here. I'm glad that I could jump in for just a couple minutes. Yes. Bye and thank I you. Get to do a face to face with uh, with some of the fellow cast members here. Um, 
So I will, uh, I will catch you guys hopefully again next time. And, uh, until then, huzzah. <laughs> huzzah. <laughs> huzzah. Take care. Thank you. Take care you guys. See ya. So is John and Patrick being, um, the ones that have been with you the longest and James too, um, in this book, uh, the turncoat, was there anything that left you going, Oh shit, you know, or, Oh my God, that you discovered with these characters that you play for this book? Uh, I, uh, the, the Stuart went so dark. Oh my God. I, well, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess I knew he had it in him, but I didn't think you were going to do that with him. He just, <laughs> dang. He had like this special, yeah. like place in my heart as this like damaged, broken little boy. And, you know, I kind of like thought I knew what his trajectory was going to be. And then it, got dark oh jeez yeah see yeah. i had spoilers for him and i was still surprised or on how he got to that point uh-huh. yeah. but you haven't seen anything yet because in the no. rebel we're gonna find out how that actually happened so we don't actually know all the details about how he went really south we're actually gonna see that now um okay. come up in the rubble so he actually takes a little bit more of a starring role and he was doing a lot of things behind the scene that we don't know ah okay so he's about to like come into get a lot more clear while you're right but remember he's a mckesson right and he's related to some some people who have lots of personality you know conflicts and different things right and a lot of bad things happened in his world so you know, you learn to survive the best that you can when you're kind of put in this situation. And, you know, he did too as well, but it doesn't mean that it has a nice result. Right. So, um, so yeah, we're going to learn a little bit about that as we go on. Uh, definitely. So I don't want to give too much away, but I find that interesting because there are some people like for me, Stuart is what he is, but like, I like, there's no surprises to me. Right. Because I write it. So when people tell me that they're surprised, I'm like, Oh, really? You're surprised. (laughs) You know, but he was okay. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Yeah. What about you, John? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think the thing that I really enjoyed was the contrast between Gavin Carlisle and then Lord Tomlinson, because they both have those two really violent scenes: mm-hmm. the duel for for Gavin, and then, as you said, the gauntlet for Tomlinson. You're know, the running mm-hmm. the gauntlet, and just the way they react uh, and kind of go through those scenes. And the reasons they want those scenes really shows a huge amount about who they are. And it's really, really cool to be able to get to know their psychology through their actions and through their decisions. And yeah, those two, uh, those two things really, really stood out to me as well as their relationships with their family, with the rest of the world. And yeah, the way they respond to difficult situations, it's really, really cool. Mm -hmm. So the gauntlet is interesting because that is historic right like that actually took place and i did a decent amount of research on the gauntlet and found it really interesting because it's a form of justice right Mm. um and obviously very different than you know how the british military did justice and um but he kind of utilizes it as a means of justifying his own like you know way of 
he kind of is manipulating everybody. Ultimately, Alexei runs the the gauntlet. Like, and so spoiler alert: there he runs the gauntlet, and we don't see it. We see it from John's perspective, so we're seeing it from the outside in. But he's seeing Lord Tomlinson basically take revenge on the person who has kidnapped his girl, right? And won't give her back, essentially. Um, and so we 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 see him, and it's done a little bit in a gladiator sense, kind of in John's mind, right? Like he's watching, you know, Lord Tomlinson is really kind of Caesar in this moment. And Alexei is, you know, is the, you know, the person put out in the Coliseum and the gauntlet is the lions, right? And so we're kind of seeing it done that way. And you really kind of get a sense of where he's he's pretty twisted in how he watches it. And um, and that is really his biggest moment, right? Where we really see him very evil. And uh, it's, it was a really fun scene to write and to research and um, to rewrite because it was rewritten for audio so that it would read better and be more, I guess, you know, um, interesting yeah. for a listener. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I had your guys' voice in mind. Ha ha ha. So I got to write it going, hmm, what can I make these guys say, right? You know, like how evil can I make them be? I mean, there's always an extra Johnny in there, you know, for uh, for for Patrick Zeller. And there's always like an extra, you know, so or so in there. But um, but yeah, so that was kind of, and then the other scene, the, the, the duel is my favorite scene in the book because it's kind of a very, it's a very serious scene, right? These two brothers are dueling and it's ultimately going to get broken up by Dulles and Tara Lindell's character is going to show up and she's going to ride up and, and, and split these two brothers up from killing each other, basically. And uh, it's, and, and, and Gavin's really pissed off and he just wants to shoot his brother. And John's just like being all smug and jerky. And he's like, yeah, it's your fault. Blah, 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 blah. And he's smack talking back at him. And you see these two and next thing you know, they're fighting. And she's the sane woman in the middle going, oh my God, what is going on? Um, so it, it's kind of that breakdown of even between brothers where you reduce yourselves to just being like little kids in the field fighting each other in the sandbox or something like yeah. that. So, yeah. That was fun. Yeah, amazing. That's fun uh, to yeah, listen to. Contrast between those two mm -hmm. things. Yeah, amazing. Really wonderful stuff. James, um, I know that you do many characters, but there was one or anything that kind of stood out for you. For me, it had to be the character of Han Yiri because he was the one I actually had to do the most research for because TJ, you said he was a you know, real live guy. I was like, okay. So I went to go research the Oneida tribe and I, all, everything I came up with was all centered around Wisconsin. I'm like, this is not what, what I need. No, 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 no. We, we, we need to go elsewhere. And so because he is this big brass balls kind of guy, war chief, I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, let's look at war chiefs. And that is what led me to where Han Yuri is at now in the book. And just the amount of, it's not arrogance, it's just that over, like, oozing out of his pores confidence kind of guy, where he goes, no, this is our tribe, we're going to fight for it, and damn anybody that gets in our way. And he's he's super interesting because it, I mean, this man was so brave, the way he fought, right. like, ran right into the lineup, there are just documented descriptions of him literally running through soldiers, just like, you know, fighting his way bravely through and his wife right next to him as well, Correct. you know, and we just know the only place he really appears is in books like, uh, I'm trying to, there's Sawchuck who wrote some of them, Gavin Watt who wrote some of them. They, he, he's almost disappeared in history unless you go looking for him. And it was just to me, one of the great tragedies of the story of the Battle of Ariskany is that we don't know this very heroic. So when I decided to write him, I, I was like, he needs to be, 
he needs to be like put out there like he really was and, and expressed the way that he really was. And so, um, and that's one of those places Samantha made the comment about adding history. And here's this really great man that we've, we've kind of hidden, um, we've hidden in time, right? Um, and I'm not Oneida at all, but um, I can look at him in this story and just think he's he's fantastic and think he's so interesting. So it was fun Absolutely. to kind of weave him, weave him into the story and then have you bring him to life and um, and use his own words. Some of the words are actually his words. And then certainly many of the words that Butler says are the actual words that he spoke um, that Nicholas Bolton uh, narrates. So I use some actual verbatim words from, from the actual you know, descriptions and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, that's too, awesome. So. Yeah. And yeah. Sam? You know, what really struck me was early on before I got the script for this one and I was going back and forth and I was saying, you know, I really want to get invested in this world. And I was sent the manuscripts and some of the audio from the previous books just to make sure that I kind of knew and had some familiarity with what I was stepping into. Mm -hmm. And I had a sense because I had seen promotions and I had seen how passionate uh, the listeners uh, were about this but I had really no concept of how both like intricate, nuanced and dense and like thoughtful the work was and still so engaging. Um, you know, there's so many manuscripts that we have to read for work or do whatever. And when I got this one, my husband was like, what are you reading? Just so voracious. It was like, I, I just I got to get through it. And I was really I was really surprised because like, I'll be honest, Revolutionary War is like not something that like I mm -hmm. go to to be like, oh, passionate. And yet I was fully invested and I was really just engrossed in the story and the characters. And so I was just so pleasantly surprised. And then when she was like, oh, and then there's this even more story that's coming in the next one. I was like, oh, <laughs> I can't wait. And the breadcrumbs that you do leave. I think I was really um, delighted by the breadcrumbs of saying, I don't know why they're in this scene right now, but I know it's coming. And that's so like, I love that kind of storytelling where you sort of see something and you know there's a lot more going on that we will get later. Um, mm -hmm. So that was really, really enjoyable for me. And and it was the first time I had ever had the chance to read your work and then get to step into it. So it was very, it was surprising how incredibly engaging the Revolutionary War could be. It was incredible. <laughs> I It's interesting because I often have a lot of readers who'll come to me, okay, what does this mean? Does this person, is there, are they here for a reason? Like I have a lot of readers who'll ask me because they, and I always tell them, I go, no character appears in my book for out of, without a reason. Not one of them, even a bartender, if they have a name, they're there for a reason. So it's, I have a lot of them who will reach out to me, okay, what's going to happen to this character? Who is this? And I'm like, well, you're just going to have to wait. So, so I just always leave you with that. No character shows up that doesn't reappear later. Mm -hmm. Well, I love so, it. I mean, it speaks um, to the intention with which you you write and create. I mean, I think we've, we've mentioned this on so many things, whether it's from the actor perspective and the characters we get to play or listening to the audio, like so much care and intention is put to every step. And it's it's really exciting. I don't know if that means I don't have a life. Stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> it means you no. have passion. It means you have passion and care. Yeah. Well, it, honestly, well, Danielle would shoot me a few times as I was working through the manuscript. Is it ready? Is it ready? Is it ready? And I'd be like, no, no, no. Um, so, but I, I obsess over them. I really, really do. Um, and it's, I love revolutionary war, like, right. Everybody knows that, but most people don't, as a matter of fact, that's why nobody writes it and it's not really out there. Um, so I just try to infuse it with why I think it's exciting. Um, and, and hopefully like people get on board. Right. Um, unfortunately they haven't yet in terms of like, we don't see a lot of revolutionary war books out there, but you know, 
you have to start somewhere, right? And you know, I love Regency and it's so wonderful, but there are so many amazing, colorful, historic time periods that like can be explored and talked about and read and, and enjoyed too. And they can be done in multiple different ways. I mean, you can be a historical romance and be gritty and and be all the things, right? Just like you can be with a mafia romance. Like I make jokes about those or, or with a, um, a contemporary romance. We can be just as gritty and just as sexy and just as like interesting. And so I try to, my ethos when I write is I try to go at revolutionary war from a contemporary eye. And I think that um, I don't try to oversell it historically. I just try to sell it to the, to the contemporary reader and, but be factual as much as I can be. I really I think, yeah. agree with Samantha, by the way, that it really shows how much you care. And that's really, really special. And not just in terms of the quality of the writing and the audio production that is the result, but just in terms of your correspondence with, well, from my mm. perspective, with me, but I'm sure with all of us, uh, for you, for Danny, for everyone, it's really, there's an extra special uh, relationship there that I'm really, really grateful for. And, you know, that's why it's really special being part of these books. Mm hmm. 100% agree. And I think that you write, Thanks. you know, you write, you just write real, fully fleshed out characters. So, you know, it doesn't matter where in time you've plopped them or anything. I'm I'm just engaged in the story that you're telling with these people. And um, yeah, it's really great. Thank you so much. And thank you for putting your 100% in you guys and doing everything and joining. Sometimes I'm afraid like my emails are like, why is she telling me that's amazing? <laughs> um, but that's, uh, that's just how like my ethos about business. Although Danielle, sometimes I'm like, Danielle, and she's like oh my god please um i'm sure on the other end but but honestly like i i really believe that i'm 100 percent vested in my work like it's a passion project i mean i have a real job like i have things that i love to do this is just something i do because i love to do it um and so the audio is just something i i love to do i love the the work that you guys do so for me it's like getting to work with people who get just as invested in their art and it's just, it's really amazing. So I should tell you that you guys do amazing work. Like you should hear that, right? Like our parents should tell us we do great work. People we work with should tell us we do great work. And, you know, if more people told people that they do great work and, and, and gave that positivity out, then we would all rise to the occasion, right? We'd all be better at what we do. So I just try to take the same ethos I put into my personal life and into my personal business. And so what I do here, you know, you lead by example. So I, I just kind of, except for when I deal with Danielle and she's like, Tracy, really? Um, <laughs> but no, but seriously though, I, that's kind of my ethos. Like if you raise everybody up and you believe in everybody and you promote positivity, then everybody kind of raises up and they promote positivities. Oh, 100%. Well, to my fellow actors, James, Patrick, Samantha, great work. Lovely working with you all. Same to you, <laughs> Thank sir. you, everybody. Likewise. <laughs> yes. You know. Yeah, well, I can keep talking to you guys forever, but we all have things that we need to get to. And yes. that's inclusive of writing more stories for TJ and you guys writing and narrating more books for us. Um, so we're going to end it here. Um, before we do go, tell us what you guys are working on right now that you can share and what's coming up next for you guys so we can add that stuff to our to be read list. Patrick, you want to start? I'm uh, I'm I'm working on a, a sweet uh, restaurant romance for Brick Shop, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. That's really fun. <laughs> um, James? Currently getting ready to wrap up a nonfiction called Creating the Canon, which has been very, very educational. I never regret a single nonfiction I've ever done. Uh, then later on in the month, I've got another one coming up called Surprised by Doubt. 
And then after that is done, I have a fantasy and then a kind of a uh, fantasy romance called Hell of an Angel coming up after that. Samantha? Um, just today, a book that John and I did together, Royally in Trouble, uh, by Megan Quinn released. And um, after this, I'm going to go into the booth and record a children's book about misinformation. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> really, the full spectrum today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and John. No, I, that book is a very cool one, Royally in Trouble. I really enjoyed that. Uh, so, yeah, I've been doing doing quite a bit of work with East House and then also with Audibly Addicted. Um, they also have another saga that I'm involved with, which is really, really cool. And then some more working with, with both of those production companies coming up as well. So um, some sequels to existing series, but then some new series in the works as well. So lots of work upcoming, which is really, really fun. Thank you guys. TJ, now that you're working on some other things too, as far as editions and rewrites and edits and all that fun stuff. So when can you, can you tell us when to, we're expecting a, a turncoat to be available in audio? At July. It'll be out in July. Yes. Perfect. And I will let you guys know as soon as you can have access to the SoundCloud if you'd like to listen to it. And then the Rebel uh, physical book will be out in November of 2023. And then the audio uh, will hopefully come out in August of next year. So I'll probably see some of you guys here again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're making this into um, a tradition. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank thank you. you. Thank you guys. This is awesome, you guys. It's so great getting to hear and chat with all y'all. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. And we hope you've enjoyed this chat as well as the series. And we'll make sure to include everyone's social media information so you guys can all follow them into the main website uh, of the Audiobook Loving series over at Viviana Enchanters of Books. And until next time, happy listenings. A special thank you to authors DJ Krimmer, Tana Stone, Landon Beach, PJ Fiala, and all of our sponsors of the Audiobook Loving 2023 series. Visit today's episode post to listen to sound clips of some of the books we discussed and enter the month-long giveaway. If you enjoyed the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast series and you want more, join the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content like the Would You Rather game and dinner party guests, and additional incentives such as bloopers, graphics, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobooklovin'. Thank you for joining Viviana and her guests for this podcast, and we hope you tune in again as we continue to celebrate Audiobook Month. The Audiobook Lovin' series is hosted by Viviana, the Enchantress of Books. Please make sure to visit the main page linked within the post to learn more about the entire Audiobook Lovin' series and the enchanting author and narrator guests who have joined us over the years. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving a review wherever you listened. And please follow us on social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana the Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you have enjoyed this program.